Spring football time is upon us. It is, in fact, finally here. And because of the, the participation in voting, you guys have selected that we go over quarterback first. And we've got a lot to cover, so let's get right to it. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can also find me on Twitter at AllDayOState. All right, so spring football season. It, it's time to turn the corner, primarily because, yes, Oklahoma State basketball did get the big old screwing job by the selection committee and the NCAA in a whole. Make sure you check out that video because it's pretty fun um, and, and, it's, and it's realistic, right? The conspiracy theory thing, that, that, that realm of life ne- needs to be adjusted a little bit. But this does not. This realm of life we are all comfortable with, and that is football. Right? What drives the bus? Well, football does. When it comes to money, what drives the bus? Well, you guessed it. Football does. So, what seems to be fun for me this go-round is I think we have a, a lot more position battles and a lot more questions uh, than we had, I would say, even definitely last year. But this year to me is also a little bit more exciting because of that now i don't think it's crazy uh to to be happy to know that we have enough capabilities all the way across the board to potentially do something because as we all know you're gonna have to have a lot of talent which we have you're gonna have to have a lot of speed which we have are we gonna have the size and, and, and capability to do exactly what we're trying to do well, that remains to be seen. And for those of you who, who may have um, not um, I don't know, stumbled upon the new aspects of the offense, basically think of what we did, I don't know, even up into the J.W. Walsh, Clint Shelf times. Um, before that and up to that, you know, our offense was pretty daggone creative. And we, we were able to excel in a lot of areas that people didn't foresee us being able to do so. I see that as another possibility coming into this season because we're not void of, again, the talent, the depth, the speed. It's going to be more about piecing it all together. And will this new old school style of offense with Mike Gundy's involvement being much more heavy now, will this be productive? I think that it can be. I, I know people have questions about the offensive line, which obviously we're going to get into position by position. But at the same time, if you have concerns about the offensive line, you also have to take into consideration a large portion of these dudes are back. Unlike last year where we lost 12 
or 10 or 11 or however daggone many O-linemen in the transfer portal. portal. Before we even got to this point right here, yeah, last year it was a concern at this point in time. The O-line is much more stable right now. Even if you think it's void of talent, which I don't think that it is, but even if you did think that, right, the argument has to be made that you can't re replicate repetitions. And now we have a bunch of dudes with a bunch of repetitions. So if it's more simplified and they get to do their job, which they love to do, which is, you know, road grader type of uh, type of mentality, and they get to pass pro occasionally um, and, and they're allowed to be a little bit more aggressive than sign me up. I think that's a definite possibility. So when you look at the quarterback room, which is the room that uh, I had people uh, comment on as to what position you were most interested in getting knocked out first. But again, we have a lot of position battles. So this is going to be a really intriguing spring, especially with not having a spring game. It's going to take a little bit more uh, to get it. So I think it's going to make this honestly more frustrating, but more fun. So let's go ahead and start off right here. And think, you'd be remiss if you didn't at least talk about uh, the, the people that are going to help you, I don't know, get prepared the most. And I think that would be somebody like a Gavin Parker, right? Number 18, six foot five, 215 pound. This gentleman coming from Hooker, Oklahoma, class eight, right? Yeah, it's very small ball. Um, but he has... Over 8,121 yards put up in his career. He's like 545 of, of uh, 940. And you know what? At almost 15 yards per clip and almost 220 yards per game and almost 100 touchdowns at like 96 touchdowns, right? This guy was productive. Is Hooker, Oklahoma, the epitome of the best place to get prepared for D1 college football? Obviously, probably not. But when you look at somebody, I know there's not a massive comparison because of the ranking system, but somebody like a Will Howard from K-State, people tend to forget that before Will Howard became what we know as Will Howard now at K-State, everybody wanted to run that dude out of town, right? Faster than the, the big guy who sat down too fast. They were ready to get him out of Dodge or not necessarily out of Dodge, but Manhattan. And send him to Dodge. Um, you know, and then that 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 reference, by the way, you know, people needed to get out of Dodge City, Kansas, uh, if they were in some trouble by the law, because that was at one point in time known as one of the furthest reaches of going towards the rest western frontier. That's where that that saying comes: "Get out of Dodge City, uh, get out of Dodge, Dodge City, Kansas." Anyways, I'm sorry, Ed. Get out of Manhattan. Go to Dodge City, Kansas. Yada yada yada. All right. So when you have somebody that size, you can't teach that. Well, we've had this discussion before. Just like we'll get into the offensive line, but you can't teach 300-pound dudes on the offensive line. You can't teach this kind of size either. Again, it is reminiscent of what Will Howard can do. Is he the same passer? Obviously not. But again, don't forget that people thought Will Howard was garbage in Manhattan and Kansas. So at worst, he's going to give us a really good capability to help get prepared from a scout team perspective from a multitude of angles, which we'll get into more of the scout team and, and, and ways that they can help prep 
in one second. But guys, you know that we do have to jump in real quick because I have to tell all of the fine folks out here about FanDuel. Even though here we, here we are sitting at the March Madness time, even though there's some sadness involved with the March Madness time, we don't need to forget that we're you know a little over the midway point in the NBA season. So it is still a perfect time to download FanDuel. It is America's number one sports book. Because right now, our new customers get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now. It is safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on almost everything from money lines, point spreads, three, three points range, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes literally on and on and on. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for bigger chances at payouts with the same-game parlays. Do not miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go there now to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. When I say that we were going to expound a little bit upon what I was talking about with, with Gavin Parker, again, you can't teach the size. So he can help us get prepared, right, in a multitude of ways. Somebody else who can also do the same is Peyton Thompson. Peyton Thompson comes in 6'2", 190. He's approaching the 200-pound range. He comes from Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Everybody knows about what Union and Jinx are in the state of Oklahoma. They're the two typical, you know, big heavy hitters. Bixby stepped on the scene recently. Owasso has been pretty good, you know, of late. But Union and Jinx are the juggernauts of Oklahoma high school football. And they're at the biggest level of it. So he was, you know, known as a smooth operator there at Union. And he was gifted with being able to manipulate enough time consistently and be very effective while doing so. He's a great re-addition to help with the depth and the scout team perspective. Just like a Gavin Parker, who can help you in a multitude of ways in preparation, Peyton Thomas is going to be able to do the same thing. And when I say re-addition, Peyton did leave Oklahoma State to go to UCO, um, and, and clearly he, he just needed to be back home. And Stillwater, Oklahoma is back home because... His biological dad also played at Oklahoma State University in football. So you need people like that, right? Just We already mentioned, kind of like your J.W. Walsh's of the world, kind of like your Clint Shelf's of the world. You got to have those people in place because it not only helps with the culture side of things, which clearly can help with recruiting and building the foundation and setting the right example, so on and so forth. It also you know, connects the statehood side of things. And with Bedlam going away after the season in Stillwater, it's going to be a little bit different how, how to view things, how especially how to view things from a recruiting perspective. So having people here uh, to be able to help in-state recruiting, it's going to help as long as we can continue to capitalize. So now we got to talk about some of the other candidates. The one that everybody is dubbed as the potential savior is the state champion, the all-star, elite 11, level savior, Savon. And unlike maybe somebody that we'll get to uh, in a minute, Garrett Rangel, he's already the prototypical solid size, right? Six foot four, 200, 205 pound range. 
The common misconception is sometimes that he played at smaller levels, um, comparatively speaking, right? And it's slightly um, off-putting when we say that because he actually played at the highest level in the state of Nebraska. Now, I think the comparatively speaking aspect comes in when you take into consideration that the state of Nebraska is not exactly known as the cream of the crop when it comes to elite-level football. So although he played at the highest quote-unquote level in the state of Nebraska, I do think some people get it a little bit off kilter with thinking that that means he wasn't all that great. But when you are the leader in the state history, in your state's entire history of the game of football, and you lead everybody all time in yards, passing at the highest level, goodness gracious, guys, come on now. Like, that's nuts. I, I, it, it doesn't matter who you are. When you're throwing for over 11,000 yards, if you can even approach the 12,000-yard mark anytime, anywhere, anyplace, yada, 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 you know how difficult that is to do. And, again, the size thing, right, where he played Gretna, uh, Nebraska, Gretna High School, the Dragons uh, were almost 1,600 students. And the biggest level schools in Nebraska, you're talking 23, 2,400 students. So in the grand scheme of things, the Class A that they did play is, again, at the top. So he did it at the best competition physically possibly available. And when you're the, the darn near prototypical size already at 6'4", 202, 205 pounds, whatever it is, give him some body by glass, and we're fine. Speaking of body by glass, we're about to get to how important he is going to be in all of this. But again, whenever you're able to do some of the things that he can do, right? He generates a lot of torque with the way he throws the ball. And he throws a very tight spiral, pretty smooth with his footwork. He's fairly natural uh, when he's throwing on the run as well. Again, that tight spiral seems to come out pretty fast. The accuracy definitely, definitely does not seem to be much of an issue. Again, the lateral side-to-side -side footwork is very impressive. And it's going to give him um, nice improv, improv skills from high school over to college. That's always a question. But if you're good at improvisation right now and you already have some of the size and the measurables, I understand why a lot of people think that Zane Flores might in fact be the savior, so on, and, uh, so on and so forth, right? The air quotes. Now, he's very consistent. He's a, he has a very top, soft touch, in my opinion. He has a good understanding of what, what defenses are typically trying to do. And we got to remember, guys, Matt Rule, when he came to Nebraska from the NFL, he came after Zane Flores very, very hard. But he stayed loyal, stayed true. And we were able to... to fend off people like, obviously, Nebraska, Mizzou, Pitt, Indiana, Oregon State, KUK State, and even a, a Washington. So I understand the hype, right? I'm on the hype train with Zane Flores as much as everybody else. He doesn't exactly need all the big body-by-glass type of stuff, but is it going to be massively beneficial for him? Absolutely. Is it a necessity that he be thrust in almost immediately? No. No, there's no need for that because what we're going to get to next, Mr. Garrett Rangel, 
And the reason there's seemingly some buildup here is because, again, as I already stated, almost opposite of Zane, he doesn't come in right away with that prototypical size. He doesn't walk into the building at six foot four, 202, 205 pounds. Okay. But he's going to take this body by glass system and use it to its, its maximum capabilities. And I think that was obviously the idea coming into this, this previous season. We still had Shane Illingworth. Shane Illingworth, knowing that Spencer had potentially multiple years, I understand him wanting to leave. But at the same time, you know, you could throw some coaching in there that we didn't have, you know, more preparation after Shane Illingworth left. Right. And maybe you didn't have somebody to help Garrett Rangel bridge that gap because he needed to get a little bit bigger. Right. Whenever you're going in your senior year at 6'2, 170, 175 pounds, that's not exactly idealistic for anybody. Right. And when you're coming from Frisco Lone Star, as he did, you, you do have to kind of, again, we like to peel back the layers of the onion. The dude did start as a true freshman. And Coach Jeff Rayburn is a is a very big deal in the talent-rich, big-time uh, spot of Texas football. The reads, the intermediate game, and things were pretty similar, right, uh, obviously to what Oklahoma State is accustomed to running. So the transition, although it, it looked fairly seamless at times, the parts where you see him get lost, again, I don't think that it has anything to do with Garrett Rangel per se. Some people are designed to run certain systems and to do certain things and have certain things available to them. So he's going to be fine with this transition. Now he does have that pro style classification, kind of like Zane Flores. People obviously are going to look at film and think that Zane Flores is a little bit of a more of a natural athlete. Athlete Garrett Rangel may say the same, but Garrett Rangel will also tell you that his rollout game has had to improve throughout his senior year of high school all the way into Oklahoma State University because if you don't have the offensive line that he did used to have at one point in time in his high school career, you know, he's seen the difference, right? Really good offensive line, sketchy offensive line. I've got to get more mobile. So when you're looking for growth, Garrett Rangel was legitimately able to do that. So I'm not really concerned about the transitional side of things. Because when he has a good offensive line and we have when he has weapons like a Marvin Mims, like a Jaden Nixon, like he did in, in high school, the ability to grow, right, is what you're looking for in a quarterback or any position, really. So if you label him as a pocket passer and he doesn't have the ability to get outside and, and extend plays and be a little bit more creative, then he kind of fits in this little molded box, right? And if that's what some people thought, he himself has been able to work on that. So it's about the evolutionary process. Where does Garrett Rangel stack up in the evolutionary process? I think he stacks up higher than most people are talking about. Guys, I get it. I'm with it. Garrett Rangel is a, a beast. But Zane Flores is viewed as potentially somebody that's an, an even bigger beast. But let's be real here. We have film. We have credentials. We have the ability to look. At a lot of these layers. And Garrett Rangel's ability to be a competitor, which is a, a, a word sometimes used 
to gloss over, maybe a little portion where they're lacking skill. It's not a skill thing. It's a size thing. If Garrett Rangel could have played this last season with an extra, oh, hell, I don't know, 15, 16 pounds, it's a different scenario. Now, if we're running this more simplified offense and we have a better running game, which obviously it's going to be fun to jump into the running game, guys, for sure. But if this, this new simplification process on the offensive side of the ball is productive, he's going to compete for this starting job immediately. It's not like Alan Bowman or anybody else is going to walk in and take this thing. I understand all the hype was in Florism with it. I love it. But the second, third quarterbacks are always the funnest quarterbacks on campus. Always. Anytime something goes up in the air, the most popular people are typically the backups. This is tried and true, written in Egyptian stone somewhere. This is hieroglyphic type of evidentiary proof all over the place. But this is what happens. So just don't sleep on my guy, Garrett Rangel, y'all. You know, he picked Oklahoma State because of the relationships that were built in Stillwater. And and ironically enough, the crazy part to me is it was primarily over like the uh, the Skype video stuff because his recruitment was during all the COVID. So we got a four-star guy that we were able to keep. And we get him here because he doesn't have the size, this, that, and the other. The O-line doesn't live up to the bill. Uh, you know, we have some injuries, yada, yada, yada. And people want to write him off immediately. I think it's absolute preposterous. We had to win him over as an individual with relationships and building everything with his parents. Having the relationship with Jaden Nixon is awesome. I'm sure it did nothing but help. But we had to recruit the family, too. We had to recruit Mama Bear, Christy Rangel. And obviously, uh, Dad was massively beneficial in the way the business was conducted. Because getting him away from places like Utah and Virginia Tech and Houston and Northwestern and Vanderbilt, getting him away from places like that, right? And, and I know Vandy and Northwestern aren't exactly the, the Taj Mahal of bees knees, but that takes work. It takes effort. And the only way you take all of these relationships and you make them mean something on the football field is to make the effort be productive. I think that that's going to happen. Are we going to go this entire season unscathed with injuries? No, probably not, because I don't know. It never happens. So one of these dudes, no matter what happens, is going to get multiple opportunities. Now, when I say that, I'm saying that we always knew that the dude needed to put on some weight, but go get lost in some of the film because the, that rabbit hole is pretty fun. And he's really good on the short and intermediate throws. Sometimes he has a phenomenal deep ball. Sometimes I don't know if it's a mechanical type of thing or maybe he's throwing to his particular spot and the receiver's going to the wrong spot. Who knows? But sometimes he throws it into oblivion, right? Perfection and oblivion. We get it. I get it. Mechanically, sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's a little bit wild. So the inconsistency is clearly a remaining obstacle, the only remaining obstacle in my personal opinion. And I just I don't think the question should be if he'll get it. I think the question should be when he'll get it. He will figure this thing out. Hopefully it's quicker rather than later.
So if you guys notice here, right, we went um, we went from Zane, who everybody thinks could potentially be the saver, to Garrett Rangel, who, who might be my personal choice on who's going to be uh, one of the biggest leaders moving forward for Oklahoma State. And then we do have to talk about Alan Bowman, right? He's the only one left. And we did leave him last because I do think that he is going to get the, the most opportunity to start. Is it a foregone conclusion? Absolutely not. Does Gundy historically sometimes have a history of not picking exactly the quote-unquote best quarterback to start off with? Yeah, sometimes. But he gets these guys into the building. And there's no way Alan Bowman went through all of his journeys in life to come to Oklahoma State to be a backup. If he ends up a backup, I think he'll handle it like a man. And I think he'll be very, very beneficial to whomever wins that job. But he's coming here to get on the field to prove something, right? He's on a prove-it mission. And I think both Zane Flores and Garrett Rangel and, and Gunnar Gundy, they need all of this time. They need all of the time they physically possibly can to get ready for all of the craziness that the Big 12 offers. So we know he's throw, he threw for over 5,200 yards, right? 33 touchdowns, 17 picks, attack. And then he spends two years at Michigan. He only appeared in three games in Michigan, primarily due to injury, but some, some due to depth chart because they had some talent, obviously, if you've seen Michigan the last couple of years. But Oklahoma State was his coming out party. We all know this. We've seen it happen. He really did it twice. Uh, the big one was the 41-17 upset in Boone Pickens in Stillwater when he went crazy for like 397 uh, uh, yards. 602 yards total, and the grapevine Texas native really made us look look pretty crazy. And we had a nine-game winning streak against Texas Tech going into that. So he was, again, part of that. We've seen what he can do in a Cowboy uniform. Can he do it in a Cowboy uniform instead of against a Cowboy uniform? I'm sorry if I misspoke there. but When you come in and you're that productive, you know, is it the 620-something yards you put up against Houston? No, no, not quite. But what he's been able to do is impressive. So he's going to come in, right, with the frame that we've talked about, the, the quintessential what you're looking back in a quarterback, kind of like Zane Flores at six foot three, 210, potentially getting up to that 212, 215-pound mark. When we get him there, and he's already at 69.4% completion percentage in college football, we haven't had somebody with a number like that since 67.1%, and that was none other than 72.4%, none other than Brandon Whedon in 2011. So even though he's a three-star prospect, again, out of grapevine, Again, with that classification, the designation of a quote-unquote pocket passer, I don't exactly get that. But he's the top 100 recruit in the state of Texas. Again, coming out of high school, he's another one, kind of like Zane Flores, who threw for over 11,000 yards. Anytime you're approaching the 12,000-yard mark, you have skills. As a senior alone, he threw for like 3,600 yards in high school, almost 40 touchdowns, a top 30 quarterback. And Coach Bro. Coach Kingsbury, Texas Tech, did hail him as one of the next big things, potentially, after what he did in, in limited time. 
And ironically enough, it's going to be kind of fun because the Bowman family seen the Bedlam rivalry from different sides um, because both of his sisters played soccer for OU. And speaking of OU, we fended off really good competition for him. Your 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 Texas Tech, your Cincinnati's, your Dartmouth, your Columbia's, your Liberties. The reason I throw them in is clearly the cerebral side of things is there as well. Uh, but we also had to fend off uh, the San Diego State, Houston's, and Old Misses of the world. So the talent's there, right? And then we got to save the best for last, right? Everybody is fave, Mr. Gunner Gundy. Now, the reason I don't think it's a necessity to go super deep into that, everybody knows my opinion there. I think Gunner Gundy is a little underrated because he's he's got the walk-on. Again, we're going to talk about designations, classifications. He's got the walk-on label. Therefore, people want to say that he's not worth all his weight in gold. People tend to forget that whatever you want to say about, about Gary Patterson when he was at TCU, how he left to Texas, leaving the whole nine yards, no matter what you want to say. He was somebody who was very heavily after Gunnar Gundy as somebody he would have given a full ride on the spot. He spoke highly of Gunnar Gundy. So did several other places. There is stories out there of people kind of just dropping off when they found out that most likely he was coming to Oklahoma State. Was it a foregone conclusion? No, it wasn't. That's why they did a little bit of digging, right? They did some of the recruiting stuff. He had several opportunities. Northwestern was even an opportunity there. So he could have done some things, right? So he's better than people give him credit for. I know the handshake in K-State was a bad look, and he got his first start against arguably, well, probably not arguably, and I'll say it, the best defense in the Big 12 last year in Iowa State. The most difficult or to, to prepare for, at least. That iteration of 3-3-5, which we might see a little bit now with Brian Nardo. You know, it, it's just, it's going to be fun to see how it all shakes out. But Gunnar Gunny is better than people give him credit for. I just want to make sure that we put that out. Right? Himself, I mean, heck, he threw for almost 8,000 yards in high school. He's got skills. Stillwater High School is not, you know, uh, chopped liver by any stretch. But any boo guys. So that's the video we got for this one on QBs. Let me, let me know kind of what you want to hear next. I'm excited about a lot of these position battles. So whatever... Whatever you guys want to jump into next, feel free to get in the comments right now. Do the like, do the share, do the subscribe, do the comment, 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 share stuff, right? Let me know uh, what position. I have a good idea where I'm going to go next, but obviously your input is what helped guide the, sh the show. So make sure you tell me. You tell me because I'm excited about almost all of them. So as always, I love you all. Until next time. God bless. Go Pokes. And thank you for making this your first listen yet again here on Locked On Oklahoma State. All right, y'all. Later.